Hello, Gwen. Hey, Liz. Um, welcome, friends, to another episode of Investigating Women and Friends. Um, I'm here in Smokefield, Oregon, with my bud, Gwen. Gwen, um, I'm curious as to why you're uh, walking around this time. Um, I heard and something I read or saw that walking and can really help uh, a person think more creatively and just kind of sort out what's going on inside that they may not even understand or might not be able to put into words. And um, I got to tell you, you know, since last Thursday, after we had our last conversation, it's been really rough. And I decided to walk. We, our last session, we talked about taking action. So I thought if only the action I can take is walking or jogging, I, I needed to do that. It's just not that I wanted to. Um, and I think what got me was you know, interacting with you and other colleagues last week and seeing the orange skies and hearing about the evacuation. And then on my kids just asking more about it um, and just reliving that. Shoot, you're breaking up, Gwen. Over the weakly little moments of panic. Okay, can you hear me? You're back. Can you hear me? Now, now I can hear you. Okay. You're back. Um, okay. About Saturday, I started having just little panic moments of us doing this and being so vulnerable and public and I didn't know why because I'm really excited about this and I love doing this and I just had to dig down deep and understand you know why suddenly do I feel like I'm leaning over a cliff <gasps> um, and I think it is just that fear of um, who the hell am I to be on camera who who the hell am I to know anything about any of this? Um, the haters are going to rise up and I'm going to be, and, and, and so I really was wrestling with that. And then Sunday morning, I thought I'm going to get out and I'm going to get on my charge app, which does virtual runs. And they happened to be doing a virtual Boston marathon. And so I was listening to that in my ear, not doing a marathon, but wanting to do a long run. And they were going through the bombings and the pride and the pain and just Boston itself. And I just got all emotional about, you know, America and humanity and the pride and all that we can do. And all, you know, I just, um, I've been struggling, honestly. So today I thought I would try to walk and talk it out and uh, hope that you can be with me through that. Oh, yep. I'm in. And um, that, that idea of just moving, moving through fear, moving through uh, chaos, moving through loss, um, sometimes 
all we, the only choice we really have is to just move ourselves forward, even though we don't know what we're moving toward. <laughs> and I definitely feel that, that way this week, um, starting with um, our kids going back to school online, not knowing what that's going to be like, um, still being in a global pandemic, um, literally not being able to go outside here in Portland. Um, I'm so sorry. The worst air quality right now in uh, the world. Um, and it's hard. It's hard to find solace. It's hard to find hope. You know, and so I was, I was thinking about us talking today and I was thinking about our, our last couple sessions where we talked about women and how, how can we support one another, right? And both as parents, professionally, um, as confidants. And I saw this just inspiring exchange. I don't really follow tennis, but, um, the U.S. Open just happened, and I watched this video of Naomi Osaka, who won. Yeah. Um, she played, this wasn't in the, the finals, but she played this young 15-year-old by the name of Coco Goff. And um, part, partly it was just really inspiring to watch two African-American women um, face off, and they were both incredible. But she, um, she beat uh, Coco straight sets and Coco was crying at the end and she was trying to hide her tears and um, it was time for Naomi to be on camera and to be interviewed and she went over to Coco and she said hey come and come and share the camera with me come and do this interview with me and Coco you could hear them just barely their exchange Coco said I think I would just cry through it um, and said such powerful words she said it's better for you to cry in front of your fans who are here for you and your family than to go cry in the shower. And it was just, it gives me goosebumps just to recount it. It was yeah. what a powerful lesson for this um, young woman to give an even younger woman, yeah. right? That, that it's, it's okay to communicate your grief and your disappointment and to also just share the spotlight. Right. And it's what we were talking about, right? To like, share that platform that she had for the whole world with this young girl. It was so moving. Oh, it was amazing. Awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna have my kids um, watch it and write me a paragraph because I'm always looking for ways to, you know, <laughs> give my yes, kids yes. more more schooling. So yeah, they're gonna watch that video later. But I would love to just talk more about this concept of coping and and in this what feels like a, a cataclysm of disasters and um, what kinds of coping are acceptable for us in in the workplace even you know i think about all these zoom calls i've been on um at the place that i do consulting and people are showing up and they're you know you can kind of you can tell people are sort of at their wits end um but 
were expected to just kind of soldier on and it feels really inauthentic to me um when are we able to you know raise that white flag and say like enough i can't take any more right now okay so you said a couple of things that are powerful one I heard that you are assuming and you believe everyone is assuming that we're expected to soldier on. And I would just ask, is that true? And do you want to dig into that today? And the second is your question, you know, when do we raise a white flag or do we and just march on? And is that the only option? I guess would be my question. And do you want to dig into that today? you're just making me reflect on it like is that really the expectation and you know I think to some degree yes we are expected to have our kids show up online you know and do whatever we can to have some level of learning this year um you know, so we, so yes, we are expected. They are expected to attend, right? Um, the kids are expected to attend. Yes. Yes. And we are expected to help them. And at work, I think that we are expected to keep things moving um, to some degree. And I think that's one of the things that we can be doing is is looking for clarity you know like what really what really is the what i would call lights on heats on of keeping a business going right now mm -hmm. um you know, being in healthcare, you know we deliver patient care it it's mostly in person <laughs> even right. though yes there's been some telemedicine going on but um you know, I work for pediatricians and a lot of what they have to do has to be done in person. So we need people to staff the clinic. Um, but those same people are struggling to find healthcare there or to find childcare. They're struggling to um, do that and help their children do school. Okay, so you said we are expected, I think four times um, can you clarify who the we is? Well, if I'm being honest, it's it's parents, but I think it's it ends up being mostly moms. <laughs> That's the truth. It's mostly moms. <laughs> so that caused a reaction for you. Well, I don't want to dismiss anybody else because I think dads are bearing a lot too. But I mean, in my own family, it's it's me that's running the show. And okay. I think that that's true for most of my most of my friends. Okay. So for you, you um, and you both friends and colleagues, it's the same. So is this about you and how you handle all of this burden simultaneously or what is it really about? 
yeah, it's about that. Okay. <laughs> it, it, it's it's about that, and I think that I'm seeing. I'm seeing a lot of other people feeling that same way. And like, I, I have at least two colleagues who had to say, I need to give myself a timeout. Like they okay. literally had to leave a call and go give themselves a timeout okay. because they just were feeling overwhelmed. Overwhelmed was the word that I heard in the past five to seven days, um, whether it's in a group text or it's in a, ch a Zoom chat. Yeah. Um, or it's on the phone, I hear people feeling overwhelmed and I share it, I share it. And I, I've i tried to come up with a couple coping strategies and I can share what they are and some of them work well and some of them are probably less productive. Um, probably on the less productive side would be um, yesterday when I wanted to get some kind of a workout, but you you literally cannot exert yourself here. You, we are being told not to exert ourselves. Okay. Um, so I um, some candles and I put on this yoga video that I had um, purchased access to and I um, poured a glass of wine and I did yoga. Okay. <laughs> Drinking yoga, Glenn. It's a new thing I just invented. <laughs> I think I have a shower curtain somewhere that says, I do yoga. Oh, no, wait, no. I drink wine in my yoga pants. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> I'm not saying that it's something that we should recommend to people. I'm just right. saying the day two of online school and trying to work from home yeah and um and do things for school i it's a lot and did i mention i have six animals in my house yeah no you didn't six, no six animals six oh. animals all right i won't ask why you have six animals but <laughs> i will acknowledge you use the word overwhelm and before you get into the tips and tricks of coping mechanisms you've already thought of, I'd like you to just reflect a little, you know, 30 seconds. In the past, have you ever been overwhelmed? Mm -hmm. Okay. And can you reflect on any of those past times of overwhelm where you found your way through it successfully? reflect on eight years ago when I had just gotten married and I was in my first week of a new job and I found out I was pregnant and I was horribly sick. Yeah. I was, I was overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. And it, it reminds me of one I reflected on this weekend because I had the same conversation with myself. Um, Mike and I, two years into our marriage, got pregnant and we're very private and we followed the rules. Don't tell anybody until your first trimester you're pregnant. Well, I worked for a healthcare organization, big, um, they had daycare on site. So I followed the rules and called when I was three months pregnant and said, hey, I'm gonna have a baby in six months and you just got signed up for daycare. And they were like, whoa, you should have called like a year ago. 
And do you know the price of daycare? And this was 23 years ago, 24 years ago. I was like, uh. So they said, we don't know if you can get, get you in and it's gonna cost $200 a week. And I just hung up the phone and called Mike and said, we, we, we can't afford to have this baby. We can't afford to have this baby. I mean, I can still feel that panic. We figured it out. And then we had two more. <laughs> so that's the story I'm reminding myself of when this panic hits today. Yeah. So how did you move through? Um, I chose to be honest. I chose to be honest and to trust that the place that I had just started to work um, was going to give me grace and believe that I was going to do the best that I could to do um, my job. Uh, and, and they did. Um, they did give me grace, actually. And in return for that, I did. I worked really hard for those nine months. Um, I can't say it was easy. I, I know that Ian thought about um, getting some kind of a t-shirt for himself that reflected that he sur survived the first um, trimester, uh, which I thought was funny. I, I also remember very Really that when I had my very first um, meet and greet with the chief medical officer, I nearly threw up in her trash can. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, for probably multiple reasons. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but I, yes, I think what I did and, and what I would suggest for people now is that I regularly asked myself, what can I control? What can I actually control? Um, what do I have absolutely no control of and how can I give that away? You know, and I had to do it over and over and over again um, because that's just our brains are wired to, mm -hmm. to worry, right? And to right. try to anticipate threats mm -hmm. um, and neutralize the threats. And I think that what resonates for me right now is that we have like, it feels like concentric circles of threat. And, you know, you think about first, you know, a, a pandemic. And so we have to, you know, stay away from others and we have to wear a mask. And then the, the pain and the loss uh, and the anger around uh, racial injustice and, you know, desperately wanting to do the right thing and to, to create healing. Um, and then bring into that wildfires, you know, that we're literally like 5 million acres have burned. Right. We can't even go outside. And so it feels like there is no choice. And so I think the coping is how do I create a feeling of having some level of choice for myself in this moment? Right. Agree. 
agree. And so if you ground yourself in past experiences and walk yourself back through it to remember what choices you made along the way and how that got you through, those can be lessons that you pull from your past and lean on and ground you in because you are rock solid. You have a rock solid foundation. You just might need to be reminded of it. Um, thinking about your choices is a great tip. A another one I like to use is simply um, mantras. And you can decide every day or every week or several through the day, what is your mantra going to be? And if the mantra that you just tell yourself instead of all the other stuff that's going on in your head becomes something like, I will survive, or I will thrive, or I've been here before, I've been challenged and succeeded, whatever that is, just help yourself set a timer on your clock to say to yourself every day, better yet, Say it in the mirror and look yourself in the eye when you're saying it. Point your finger at yourself in the mirror when you're saying it. Because children learn by being talked to eye to eye. And sometimes we as adults don't have that person talking to ourselves that passionately anymore. And so if only it's us, in the mirror when we don't have these coaching opportunities or we can't network or we can't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, use yourself. You have it in you. That's really good. I haven't done this in the mirror, but I have, this is a sound sort of macabre, but um, you know, when we're trying to mitigate all these threats of the air pollution and what's that going to do to our long-term health and, um, and how do we keep from, passing this horrible virus to one another and especially to our grandparents. Um, I, I've been saying to myself lately, I am going to die. We're all going to die. Who do I want to be before that happens? Exactly. That's my mantra right now, honestly, Gwen. And maybe yes. that's not very inspiring for some right. people, but it helps me. It really does. It, it, I'm seeing you lighten up. I'm seeing you smile. I'm seeing you laugh. Whatever that mantra is that touches your heart is the right mantra for you at that time. It doesn't have to make sense to anybody else. Yeah. My mantra, like my, my mantra avatar is yeah. she's, she's goth. Yeah. <laughs> I think mine is badass. Badass. I've got a badass cup and I've got all kinds of badass stuff people giving me over the years. So I've just said, I guess I'm a badass. Yes, <laughs> you are. It. You are a badass. <laughs> Thank you. I don't feel like it some days, but I am. Yeah, you are. You are. And I'm a wine drinking yoga doing goth there you go <laughs> <sighs> all right you're the best you feel better i do i do
I feel okay. ready for to go attend second grade. I think we're awesome. learning about I think we're learning about baby ostriches today. Nice. Yeah. I am sure you will pass with flying colors. <laughs> you have a good one.